Welcome to the V-Pod with Vinu Joseph as we are unraveling the mystery, the disappearance of Rina Verghese. I'm your host, Vinu Joseph, and today we embark on a journey into the haunting enigma that has gripped our hearts and minds. Rina Verghese, a dedicated nurse and loving mother, vanished on that fateful night of April 4th, 1996. In the depths of this perplexing mystery, we find not only unanswered questions, but also the unyielding hope for truth and justice. This podcast is more than just an investigation. It's a testament to the life of Rena, a vibrant soul whose absence has left an indelible mark on everyone who knew her. As we delve into the intricate details of her disappearance, We'll explore the depths of human resilience, the relentless pursuit of justice, and the power of communities coming together. Together, we'll navigate through the accounts of that rainy night, scrutinize the evidence, and uncover the layers of this chilling mystery. We'll hear from experts, law enforcement officials, and those who are close to Rena. We'll explore every lead, every theory, and every possibility, leaving no stone unturned. But beyond the facts and figures, we'll also delve into the essence of Rena, her dreams, her aspirations, her love for her family, and her unwavering dedication to her profession. We'll humanize the story, painting a vivid portrait of the person behind the mystery. Together, we'll seek not only answers, but also solace for Rena's loved ones. We'll honor her memory by ensuring that her story is heard, that her legacy lives on, and the truth, no matter how elusive, will prevail. So join us on this expedition of unraveling the unknown, of finding the missing pieces, and of illuminating the darkness that surrounds Rena's disappearance. Together, we can embark on this quest for truth, guided by compassion, determination, and the unwavering belief that justice will be served. Before we plunge into the intricate details of Rena's disappearance, let's take a moment to recap the chilling events on that night of April 1996. Rena, a devoted nurse and a new mother, left her workplace at Methodist Hospital in Dallas, Texas on April 4th, 1996. It was 7 p.m., a rainy evening, as she bid farewell to her co-workers and embarked on her journey home. At 7 o'clock, she made a routine call to her mother-in-law, letting her know that she was on her way. Dressed in her hospital uniform, Rena walked out of the parking lot her smile reflecting her excitement to reunite with her newborn daughter. Witnesses saw her getting into the 1990 white Toyota Corolla adorned with a religious bumper sticker and a radio station. She drove away, but tragically that drive would be the last time anyone saw her alive. Two years later, in May of 1998, a shocking discovery added a macabre twist to the mystery. Rena's mandible was found near the West Trinity River Fork by a young boy fishing. A bone, a haunting reminder of the enigma surrounding her disappearance. As we unravel the perplexing puzzle, we'll explore the intricate details, hear from experts, and journey into the depths of the investigation. This podcast is just not about uncovering the truth. It's about honoring Rena's memory seeking justice and bringing closure to her loved ones. To truly understand the depth of this mystery, 
we need to examine the meticulous research and investigative efforts that have been undertaken. We have initiated contact with the Grand Prairie Police Department and the Dallas Police Department, both crucial players in this ongoing investigation. Additionally, our conversations with the State Attorney's Office of Texas hopes to provide us access to records that shed new light on this open case, contrary to the widespread belief that it has been closed. It is essential to dispel the misconception that this investigation concluded years ago. Rina Verghese's case remains hauntingly open, involving multiple law enforcement agents, including the Dallas Police, the Grand Prairie Police, and the FBI. The question lingers, what truly happened after Rena left that hospital parking lot, disappearing without a trace on that rainy April night in 1996? To better understand the events that unfolded that night, we must scrutinize the route Rena took. According to her husband at that time, Roji Verghese, she was familiar with only three places, her church, a community college, and the route from her work to her home. This limited geographical knowledge narrowed down her possible paths significantly. Let's focus on one of these routes. The journey that should have taken Rena no more than 30 minutes a route that seemingly ended in darkness. Picture this. She exits the hospital, gets onto I-30, takes a right onto MacArthur Boulevard, crosses the bridge where the Trinity River is, and then makes a left into her neighborhood. It is a path she likely knew like the back of her hand. But why did this routine drive become the canvas for such a disturbing mystery? One prevailing theory initially suggested by law enforcement and another law enforcement agent that worked closely with the case was that she had been involved in a tragic accident. However, our in-depth research points a different picture. To explore this, we reached out to experts like Dr. Gordon Giesberg, a world-renowned authority on cold water submersion incidents. Dr. Giesberg's insights challenged the accident theory. Dr. Giesberg has conducted hundreds of cold water immersion studies that have provided valuable information about cold stress physiology and pre-hospital care for human hypothermia. He has studied drowning physiology and prevention as well as prevention of vehicle submersion deaths. He is one of the world leading experts on vehicle submersion. Now before we get into his insight, we want to kind of lay out a map of the area that we are talking about. The only place that Rena could have gotten into an accident is over the bridge by the Trinity River. When she left the hospital, she got on a highway. If there was an accident on the highway, there would have been witnesses, there would have been people who saw the accident, or someone who would likely have called 911. Now, as she made a right onto MacArthur Boulevard, it is a bridge that goes right over the Trinity River. Now, as you go over the Trinity River, there's two large land deposits on either side of that bridge. If Rena's car had gone over that section of that bridge, it would have landed on the land deposit and it would have been too far out for it to reach the river. Now, Dr. Gersberg emphasized that if the car had gone over the bridge, it would have likely landed on the land deposit before the Trinity River, 
ruling out the possibility of it being airborne and landing in the water. Furthermore, he confirmed that the tides wouldn't have moved the car significantly once it hit that riverbed. But the most perplexing detail remains Rena's mandible, discovered under the bridge almost two years after her disappearance. Dr. Gisbert's expertise suggests that for the mandible to be found outside the vehicle, the body must have been ejected upon impact. So what Dr. Gisbert is saying or suggesting is that for that mandible to be found outside the vehicle, the body must have been ejected upon impact. Yet, there is no record of the car being submerged, no damage to the bridge, no damage to the bridge railings, and no eyewitness accounts of the accident. So here we stand at the precipice of a mystery where the pieces of the puzzle don't fit the proposed narrative. Our investigation into Rena Verghese's disappearance continues, delving further into the mystery of the mandible and the enigmatic circumstances surrounding it. So upon meticulous examination and consultations with experts, this theory begins to crumble. But could an accident have occurred? It seems highly unlikely. The area in question, while not heavily trafficked, is not devoid of witnesses. If a car had gone off the bridge, someone would have seen it. Furthermore, the lack of damage to the railings and the absence of any reports concerning a submerged vehicle make this theory dubious. So just to reiterate, the fact that the mandible was found near the riverbed, under the bridge, points to that the body of Rena must have been outside of the vehicle. But the catch is, there was no car. Rena's vehicle was never located, leading us to a baffling conclusion. The mandible found under the bridge points to the presence of her remains, but without the car. It raises disturbing questions about how she ended up there. So how can we deduce from these puzzling details? It seems increasingly implausible that a car accident took place that night. The evidence, or rather the lack of therefore, strongly suggests that Rena's disappearance is not the result of a simple accident. So let's rewind the clock to that evening, second by second, as Rena prepared to leave her workplace. It was 7 p.m. and the rain beat relentlessly against the windows of the hospital where Rena worked as a nurse, Methodist Hospital in Dallas, Texas. Her shift ended and she made a call to her mother-in-law a routine act indicating her departure from the hospital. She talked about her baby and how she was going to come and feed the baby. As she walked through the hospital corridors, she engaged in a conversation with her co-workers as she walked out to the parking lot, talked to her co-workers about her newborn baby. Despite her security-conscious nature, Rena seemed calm, likely preoccupied with the thoughts of her little one waiting at home. 7.04 p.m. is the last time anyone has seen Rena. She walked out into the parking lot to her car. The dim glow of the streetlights reflected on her white 1990 four-door Toyota Corolla adorned with a religious and radio station bumper sticker. Her co-workers, now a distant silhouette in the rain, watched 
as she approached her car. With each passing second, the world around Rena was shrouded in the darkness of that night. She settled into the driver's seat, the interior of her car illuminated briefly by the overhead light as she closed the door. The engine roared to life, a reassuring sound on the stormy night. Rena pulled out of the parking lot, confirmed by witnesses, the car tires making a soft, splashing sound as they rolled over the wet pavement. She merged into the traffic, her destination clear in her mind, home, where her family awaited her return. Between 7.10 and 7.30, she was out of that parking lot. The minutes passed by, the windshield wipers rhythmatically swiping away the raindrops. Rena's drive should have not taken no more than 30 minutes. Yet, as the clock ticked, she seemed to vanish into the night, leaving behind a trail of unanswered questions. When she got into the car, was there someone in the car with her? Was there another person driving the vehicle? Was she by herself? What happened between the time she left that garage to the time she should have been home? The 30-minute window where she should have got home, somehow something went terribly wrong. And according to her husband, she only knew one direction, from her home to the hospital to the hospital from her home. So it's very unlikely that she would diverge from that direction. The direct route would have taken her three turns. She got out of the hospital, got onto I-30, made a right onto MacArthur Boulevard, and then left into her neighborhood. Something went wrong between that exit from the hospital and the time before she got home. After analyzing all the maps, after analyzing the area, after analyzing and talking with experts on the possibilities of what could have happened, and if it's possible that she got into an accident, the likelihood of her getting into an accident is highly, highly unlikely. Again, I want to reiterate that there's only one section of that bridge where she could have possibly gone over into the river and there was no damage to the railings. There were no witnesses. And last but not least, but the most important part, there was no car. After the discovery of the mandible, the Grand Prairie police sent out divers and sonar to look for a car. It has been documented by the diver that there is no car within the area where the mandible was found. And according to our expert, Dr. Gisbert, that car would not have moved any further from where its location was, unless it was heavy, heavy tides. Also, the fact that her mandible was found under the bridge means that her body must have exited out of the vehicle if it was a crash. But that would only make sense if we had found the car. So the fact that the mandible was found and no car was found means that the body was outside of the vehicle. And that's where we are going to leave it today. Join us in our next episode as we uncover more shocking details behind the finding of the mandible and explore the dark corners of this perplexing case. The truth is out there waiting to be unveiled. And we are committed to unraveling this chilling mystery piece by piece. Until next time.